everyone, welcome to the Daft Souls podcast. It's episode number 50. We've done 50 episodes wow. of this flipping podcast. And I've, I, for one, have had enough. I love how you decorated <laughs> the place. It's got streamers, balloons everywhere. I know, right? The balloons are all like in the presidential election. They're all just in the ceiling. They're waiting to come down. We've got perspex swans circling the room. It's beautiful. <laughs> and we're joined today by Jim Trinker. Yeah, you are indeed. How are you, how you doing? I'm doing very good. It's, it's been a while since I've been here. Great to have you back on again. For those of you who don't know, I haven't been listening very long. Jim Trinker is at videogamer.com mm-hmm. doing some amazing video stuff. <laughs> He's probably one of the best video producers in the industry. <laughs> Producer of the Miller Report. <laughs> the man behind. The meaty magic. I'm not going to uh, argue with you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's it's very fun. Thanks for having me back. I'm always uh, every time every time I do one of these, I'm, I always walk away from it thinking, "Nah, fuck that. He's not going to ask me again." <laughs> and then you usually leave it a good few months t- until I think, "Nah, I've definitely fucked it." And then you spring spring it on me. So uh, no, it's always good to have you on, man. I think at the moment because uh, it's now because obviously because now we're doing cool ghosts for those who mm-hmm. listened last time. Me and Quinn's and, and hopefully more people in the future are now called ghosts, and so Dove Souls is a part of that. It means that we kind of have probably less... It's harder to frequently get the guests in, mm-hmm. but on the other hand, it's easier to frequently do a podcast. So it swings around about <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so what have you been playing lately, Jim? Uh, stuff. Like, all the stuff that's come out. All the major stuff that's you've come been, out. So you've been, like, dipping like, and dabbing like a... Dipping, doing... Because, you know, doing random videos with other people, getting little shots. So most of the stuff I've been playing, I've been getting, like, half an hour on, an hour on, or whatever. Um, but the the main thing I've been playing is Mad Max this I week. I desperately want to hear about this, because <laughs> I saw the trailer and went, maybe, and I saw the film and went, maybe the game's going to be good. And yeah. now you can officially tell me that the game is... Alright. It's alright. <laughs> it's alright, ladies and gentlemen. Woo! Right. Release it's... the balloons. <laughs> Drop the mic. <laughs> it's really like it I, I, I keep saying this, but essentially it's come out at totally the wrong time. And I I don't mean the same day as Metal Gear Five, which is a whole That's... other dimension of wrong time. <laughs> okay. But um it's it, it is it would have been a perfect summer drought game. Like Right. Something that comes out just, you know, at the end of February or something, but when, when things are starting to wind down and there's, you know, there, there's nothing for weeks and, you know, everyone plays indie games. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that would have, if it, if, it, if it had come out at a time when its only competition was like Watch Dogs or something like that, um, it would probably would have gone down as a Stone Cold Classic. But because it's coming out when there's loads of cool stuff coming out, yeah, it's going to get buried and... Pretty much next to anything else, it's not that great. Even though it's it's really not a bad game either, so I kind of feel bad for it. I mean, you've seen the movie, I'm guessing. Uh, Fury Road. No, yeah. I no. no? Okay. Well, that I've see, seen like the original Mad Max a while back. If you if you listen carefully, you can hear the question I was going to ask die <laughs> <laughs> underneath. But the original Mad Max. Well, we can. I still want to talk about that because if anyone hasn't seen the original Mad Max, they need to because it's not what you think. I loved it. I it's, saw it and it was not what I expected at all. It's it? mad in an, it's the other kind of mad. He's yeah. not just angry. He's genuinely insane. Yeah, it was. It shook me that film. It was really. Yeah, it was not what I was. Expecting expecting when I watched it I was expecting an action movie and it was like nah it, it's like this avant-garde dream horror piece with like yeah the leather outfits and a lot of like very like questionable uh, sexual themes mm-hmm. happening there yeah uh, but the new film was a great action film romp and I guess the problem with movie tie-in games always tends to be that they are very restricted in terms of when the release has to be and it's often actually when games come out is to coincide with the film going in cinemas but now they seem to have well with this 
I guess Warner knows best. It's one. Of, it is a Warner game, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you know, I think it's interesting the fact that Warner now are this sort of like media, like mega Zord mm-hmm. of doing films and games. They must have realised now that actually sometimes having a game coming out alongside the film takes them just cinema. a little longer. Maybe it's better to come out alongside the DVD and Blu-ray, which seems to be what they're doing, right? That's why it's out now, yeah, isn't it? Possibly, yeah. That gives it what a few more months. Yeah, I think. Um, I don't know. I, I wish I'd seen Fury Road before. Um, before I played. Well, if you think it's all right and you haven't seen Fury Road, then it must yeah. be all right. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. I suppose. <laughs> I mean, I was looking uh, forward to the game partially because yeah. in the movie there are so many tiny scenes which just are snapshots of fascinating characters. Yeah. Like the mayor of Bullet Town. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And God knows what else, like the weird stalky creatures that lives in the marsh. And the movie just goes, "Hey, look at this," and you'll never see it again. So I was. I was I was hoping Jim that I'd be able to see all these things in greater yeah. detail in the game. Uh, but I think the, the the thing is is like well, everything else that that get, gets added to the the Mad Max kind of pantheon doesn't it only loosely fits into the, to that universe, right? So all all the films are just in that world with that character, but they're not necessarily tied into the previous one or it's yeah. just another episode in his life. But sure. Um, and and this this is a similar thing. This feels like it's it's just taken the Mad Max kind of tropes and just done something else with it. It's another one of the bad times when there wasn't much fuel. Well, exactly, exactly. Do you play Tom Hardy? I should know this. No, but not I don't. at all. No, no. Oh. He plays sort of generic Australian man. Uh, Hang on. Are you so? Are you actually Mad Max? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. you're just Mad Max as interpreted by a different cheaper actor. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're. Um, it's 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 really bizarre actually, but I don't think it's intended to tie in really to the films at all. Just just borrowing the themes, and not even really following through on borrowing the themes very much. Either. Really, although it's interestingly, you know, the fact the fact that you know he's mad, but he's not angry mad. He's he's just broken. Yes, yeah, that is very much part of it. You know, the the the, the fact that he's talking about finding paradise and whatever. That's, oh yeah. That's in there, but like, but then you're still walking around battering people. So it's like they pay lip service to the, to what the character yeah. is kind of supposed to be, but then you know you are just. I half saw a tweet today, so I can't even credit to who it was because mm. it was proper just skimming. But they were like sort of about you know Mad Max being like, oh, fuel is really precious in this this place, like, and then just revs up a chainsaw. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, yeah, oh. yeah. And there's so many, like, bits where, you know, the only way to get into a door is to blow up a fuel canister next to it. <laughs> <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be the equivalent of a door that you can only get into by setting fire to a million pounds. Yeah. <laughs> um, I should say, as well, that when I first saw the original Mad Max movie, me and my friend were drinking, and uh, we said we would drink every time Max was mad, because yeah. we hadn't seen it before. And we were so confused as to when to drink for the whole movie. But so, because in the movies, Mad Max is just kind of trying to have a nice life, mm-hmm. like in whatever in whatever form that takes. Mm-hmm. So in the game, why are you like taking the fights to all these bad guys? Uh, this is the other thing. This is actually something I love about the about the game. Um, a little bit spoilery, but this happens like right at the start of the game. This is the established uh, micro spoiler. Yeah. So uh, right at the start of the game, your car gets nicked. And you get left for dead. Um, so the rest of the game is all about well, firstly getting your car back, and then like, I need to build a car. 
So like the Wait, why does he need to build a car? Because he d- doesn't have a car anymore. Oh, so he needs, a, he needs to build a car to get a car to get his car. Well, well, I, I don't want to spoil. I don't know. I, I'm so <laughs> cars are involved. There's cars. Cars are involved, but essentially, he finds himself in a situation where he needs a new car, and he's like, I don't just need any car. I need the best car. Mm. Obviously, uh, he because befriend, he's a man. Exactly. <laughs> he befriends this this little mechanic dude who's like, I know how to build cars. And uh, and they go off on this adventure to uh, both kind of liberate the wasteland from a local warlord, and while they're doing it, collect all the bits they need to make a really cool car. Man, you know, <laughs> you, there's one sentence in that which is like, you know, liberate the wasteland from a warlord. But if you hadn't said that, that would have been a really nice game of like, you just want a car. There's a friend who knows how to build it. Yeah, you're going around collecting cars. On a journey. Yeah, on an yeah. adventure. Maybe at the end of the summer, you drive your car to like Manchester, and you have yeah, a really yeah. nice night. I play that game. It could have been, it could have been so different. But I mean, the, um, the classic. It's kind of getting into like boring me- mechanical terms now. But what's the? What's I the like mechanics. Of, I really what, like yeah. mechanics. What's the kind of gameplay loop like? Is it just like? Is it um, traditional kind of Assassin's Creed, almost like expanding map, uh, like yes. going around unfolding stuff? Yes. Yeah. Okay. It, 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 everything everything feeds into building up this car, right? So that's your kind of upgrade hook. So everything you do earns scrap or whatever or you're collecting bits or you're, everything you're doing in the game feeds into the car doing things you need to get the car that's pretty cool looking better and being better and whatever um so that's just so like and, and you, know, you really go down the rabbit hole with it so you know you're you're working on collecting something so you can upgrade this so when you've got that you can get the other thing to upgrade the other and, you know <laughs> is it, it like zelda is it like <laughs> the car needs to go this fast to drive through this wall like is is that how does it how do you gate a car how how does this is stuff like that yeah like you know that there's certain out, um it's a bit far cry as well. So you've got like you know, the wasteland's got lots of kind of outposts, yeah. refineries, all that kind of stuff. Okay. And, and a big part of the game is going there, scoping them out and, and taking everyone out in them and claiming them. One so of, I just find I just find so, these, these these things exhausting now. <laughs> about them. I don't know what it is. Like I just, Well I think it's I think it's it, it's it's open world fatigue, isn't it? Because yeah. like because everything well, not everything, but so many things are now following that essentially the Ubisoft open world game pattern. Yeah. Um, I, I mentioned before we started recording that it feels like this year's Shadow of Mordor because mm. um, because Mordor was essentially Assassin's Creed without the cutscenes and stuff. It mm. was very very stripped down story wise. It was, but it was similar mechanically. It was similar in the way that you progressed, the way you leveled up, the way you you know discovered new places and whatever. Um, Mad Max is very much like that. Except it doesn't have anything like the ne- the nemesis system. Yeah, I was yeah. I, I was gonna say because so. I was I've been late to the party, but I'm replaying Shadows of Mordor and the just amazing, wonderful moments where I'm taking on some guy who I know I can yeah. kill, and then my quite like literal nemesis shows up and he goes, "Hey!" and it's like I'm in a boss fight. Are you kidding? And yeah, then yeah. I have to run away <laughs> from the first guy because my nemesis is shown again. up. It's great, and like I really loathed it, him. It's a yeah. wonderful system. That I mean, it, it, and it, it, what that did was elevate a very mediocre action game to something that to just something that really had the heart and yeah, personality. Exactly. So I just love how much you you went from. I think everybody has this happens to them at one point. How you have one slip up, a minion kills you, mm. and then you think, "I'm having none of that. You're a nobody." You try and track them down, kill them. They kill you again, <laughs> and then before you know it, like the most powerful thing on the map is just some guy who about three hours ago was just a grunt. And it's yeah. so funny as well. Like just 
as a video game, because obviously in video games you kill everybody. So of course if an orc kills you, the orcs are like, this guy, holy shit. And yeah. then they give him like 14 more belts to wear. I love it. It's like you get experience when you kill the orcs and the orcs get experience when they kill you. It's fair. It's I like lovely. that. And the fact that you yeah. don't, you never have to go after the guys who are who, like these horrible people who become so powerful, but you want to. Yeah. Like you could just go and... It becomes a, a, a pride thing. You're like, yeah, exactly. I can't take this. You could completely ignore them to complete the game. Like, it, mm. I mean, as far as I remember, you don't forced to take no you aren't but my god you want to (laughs) which is a shame because then you kill them and then you kill the most personality rich element in the entire video game I remember feeling a pang of sadness with one of my nemesis in that game like you know it was like I think it was maybe the eighth time I'd fought the guy and it was like going down this time because you know I'd defeated him before and he'd come back with just like a a, a, a plate in his head where I killed him yeah exactly and um, and well, he's, he was very annoyed at me for. <laughs> they they tend to be quite way. livid, yeah, like, yeah. with you murdering him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, you took my oil, yeah. So I'm gonna take your balls. Yeah, exactly. Probably. <laughs> um, Has got amazing dialogue that game. The orcs are oh, funny. They're, they're so they're so brilliantly characterized. So yeah, this is this is what I'm saying. Like I I've I said before we started recording the podcast that I just from like a one minute skim of the response to Mad Max I don't think I'm going to pick it up because it doesn't seem to have that mm. humour or the heart that was in Shadow of the Mortal and was in Fury Road like yes, it actually yeah. seems a little uh, plain yes I think plain's probably the best way to describe it like it's, it's quite telling that I've seen on, on Steam the main image for it is like half of the image is just a picture of the kind of like happy shopper Max which is in the game and then the other half of the image is just a screenshot from the film <laughs> oh, <laughs> really? Furiosa and Tom Hardy yeah, in the car yeah. and it's kind of like yeah I get. I think they kind of know that there's nothing in the game which has enough character to yeah. outshine. My God, Jim, you should see that movie. It's, it's so really, it's good. really, really good. I've, um, I, I think I'm going to buy by the Blu-ray this yeah, week. Oh yeah, I can't, oh. I can't really. You'll have a great time. Yeah. I think I that can't I get, really play this without watching that film. Either. I get the impression that the um, the making of stuff and the behind the scenes mm. thing for that film would be fantastic well, as well because they did so like, much of it for real. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. I, there was a. A lovely thing, um, because um, who's the girl who plays Furiosa? I forget her name. Charlize Theron. Charlize Theron was apparently like really quite miffed at Tom Hardy because he's method, and so for however many days or weeks or months they have to sit in the in the like in the truck of a cab. Wait, no, in the cab of a truck together. He was just silent. He was mad. He was angry. He was in character as Mad Max. Bless him for taking a role that dumb so seriously. But like. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, and then she just can't talk to him. Like you know, they've got two hours with the cameras to set up, but he's Mad Max. And then she just steals the film anyway. Yeah, well, she doesn't a... matter what he's doing. She's sitting there smoking. Like, <laughs> are, you, are you gonna keep this up? Oh, for fuck's sake! Yeah, I know. And like, yeah. that's funny for the first day, but yeah. like, I'm sure. And then the director shouts action, and she fucking yeah. I had a feeling that that it. film. I kind, of, <laughs> I kind of knew that film was gonna be great when I mm. I read a few like a month before or something mm. that they called time on it at one point basically. They've run out of money, but they were all filming in the desert, and they basically called up and said, "You've got to stop. You've got to come back because you've run out of money." And they just didn't, <laughs> and they just carried on filming because it wasn't done. And that's something that used to happen a lot in like the movies back in the day, the especially when days, people were like yeah, not yeah. filming in Hollywood because you couldn't just come and pull the plug. Yeah. It's like when they're out in Africa, or whatever. It's like. Well, what do we do? It's, it's like, like, come home, you don't have any money, and then you say, you'll find us some money, because yeah. otherwise you're going to jail for the debt that we run That's up. exactly it. And so I kind of thought, this is going to be good. Do and you it, know yeah, that um, the stunt uh, the stunt actors for um, Tom Hardy and, and Furiosa, uh, Joyce Theron, fell in love during that movie? Yeah. I don't know, an item. 
which is just so good. Uh, <laughs> that's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, it really is. <laughs> Even though the real actors didn't really get on very well. Yeah. So that's fun. So I, mean, I don't think any love happened when they were making the game Mad Max, to be no, honest. No, that was a <laughs> fucking amazing segue back to the game. <laughs> 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 Everyone in the studio is now married. <laughs> Together <laughs> yeah, as well. Yeah, this is really big marriage. Well, She's in Sweden, and so they can do anything they want <laughs> in Sweden. It's completely illegal. There's like 500 of them. It's yeah. crazy. I'd be very surprised if any romance happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, off, off the back of making this, um, but no, I I, I feel bad for it because it's not a bad game. Sure, and I think if it if it come at a different time, and it probably was at least, at least a little rushed to get yeah, out of the yeah, film and everything. Exactly, and I think you know if it was as I say, if it was a summer drought game, if it didn't have really good competition right now. Yeah. It, even if it had come out at the start of the gen, you know, obviously that's asking a bit much because it probably was in really early stages back then. But you know what I mean? Like, it, it just feels like it's come out at the, the completely the wrong place in history, I not feel, just the wrong time of the year. I feel this is also, like, a big problem with the current state of things and the fact that these mm. games, they ask a lot of you. They don't mm. just ask a lot of you in terms of, like, money, in terms of being like, oh, and in terms of, like, your overall time of being like, well, there's other big games out, I could buy them and play them instead. It's that you jump into these kind of mediocre filler games and then they're like, oh yeah, like drive around our mediocre game for like 60 hours. It's like, <laughs> exactly. You kind of, it's one of these Do you remember when where... games were like six hours long? Yeah, I know, right? It's like I actually really used to love that era on the PlayStation 2 where you could basically go and buy some kind of crap game for a tenner and be done with it in about eight hours but and be like, that wasn't very good, but never get to the point where you resented it. Mm. I don't know, it's just weird. It's like, if it was a kind of mediocre Mad Max game that was maybe a bit cheaper, maybe you'd be done in like eight hours. Man, I'd be up for that. You've got to wonder how the numbers came down that this is the correct thing to do because like, it's it's a known fact that something like 80% of anyone who buys a game will not play more than like two hours of it. Like, according yeah. to the stats. Like, something like 90% of people who played Mass Effect never changed the selected soldier by default. Like, I'm pulling these stats out of my ass, but they're, they're the general information. So like... Who is it that's playing these games for 100... Who is it who's collecting 100 flags in Assassin's Creed that is making Ubisoft go, yep, this makes sense, all devs, you have to do it. I they, don't know. They maybe, wouldn't be asking if it didn't make sense maybe like, it's economically. Maybe it's kids. I don't know. Maybe it is kids. Maybe it's like you know everyone's going to buy Assassin's Creed and then also the 20% of people who do play most of it are mostly kids. Well, maybe it's just a value thing of people don't have a lot of money so they can only buy one game and they can keep them busy for like well, I think a that's long probably time. closer to it because, I mean, when we were kids, like, you know, the... You'd have, like... I mean, I can't remember how many times I played Streets of Rage because sure, yeah. as a kid, I didn't have my own money and it was one of the few games I had. So I had that game for years and played it over and over again. And I can imagine a, someone a similar age now having something like Assassin's Creed and just 100%ing it because yeah. it's just one of three games they've got and, you know, a new game only comes along every Christmas. But what I find funny is it, it used to be that, like, you know, if you had something, you, that you buy games that were so good that you could just keep <clears> completing <throat> them again and again and again and yeah. again. Yeah. Whereas now it just feels like they're just big. Well, you know what? Ubisoft know for sure they can fill a game with content. They don't know for sure that they can create a game that's good enough no. to keep playing it. I guess that's the thing, and it's kind of crazy. It's like, it's just a bit of a shame, I guess, in the fact that, yeah... It was different. You know what? It's it's totally the same as um uh, is happening in Hollywood now. Like where due to the economic climate, like movies are made by committee, so they're going to be average. And by God, they're going to be average. But they're not going to be bad. They're not going to be good. But they'll be average. You know, like the amount of superhero films that have come out where they're written by fourteen people, and there's like yeah, you know, flat joke, flat action sequence, flat joke, flat action sequence, flat romance. I think that's it. I think it's just the moment that kind of open world Ubisoft style thing is just flat. I don't dislike it in any way. I just find it makes me feel a bit tired. It definitely feels safe. But I don't... Know. Yeah, it's like everyone kind of likes it. It's kind of enjoyable. I just 
find it a bit it doesn't it's not very inspiring and actually funnily enough um, I was playing some satellite rain oh sorry I didn't mean to <laughs> that was a purposeful prod of my knee prod you on the I'm knee I'm sorry Matthew yeah no, satellite no, no, rain no, satellite it's... rain I've played it for about 10 hours I really like it if people but, haven't seen I did a lengthy yeah. video about how it's a very interesting why it's a very interesting RTS if you google cool ghosts satellite rain you'll find that and it is a, it is a really cool RTS I like the fact that it is all live you can't pause you have to just make decisions on the fly it's quite exciting but at the same time like you know you can soak up a lot of bullets and soak in enemies so actually you do have the time you do have do a few seconds quite yeah. audacious things you can be like okay well you go and do this you do this you do this and you can execute these amazing emergency plans and that's when the game really shines but it still has that and I realised as I started playing it and unlocked the second area moved into it it's like oh this is just another kind of Assassin's Creed thing of <laughs> go around the map where there are so many get things all the to notes, do do the things and it's like it's it's rather, it is an open world but rather than having an open world that feels dynamic and alive it's like well you've robbed a bank so I guess the next bank will rob and get loads of money will be the bank in the next area. Like, <laughs> it's a bit like, yeah. it's like, it's not offensive in any way. It's not me playing this and going, oh, but it's just like... It's a sign of the times. It's just not as it's interesting as something that, else. It's <laughs> funny, you know, that they remade Syndicate, well, they, they made a Syndicate-inspired game. Yeah. But they made it in 2015, and what does that mean? Well, it means a big open world with lots of stuff to do over and over again. Yeah. And which like is interesting. Completionism and ticking off boxes. And I get that. And it's... Quite nice, but it's weird that it's not really much like a syndicate game. It actually reminds me a lot more of Commandos. Um, uh, yeah, sure, because you have like special abilities and there's more of a focus on stealth rather than... Yeah. yeah, rather than like building a squad from scratch and choosing what they can all do, you have like these four archetypes that all work together. And there's the clear kind of Commando-style thing as well of because you don't have to build a squad, some of them are just better than others. Like mm. Some of them are just like your heroes. And the ones oh, like... Oh, the, uh, the guy with the katana and cloak. And yeah, shit. right? Yeah. I got a thing on the guy with the, the... Well, mostly a lady on mine, but with a katana and cloak who could go on zip lines so that she could hack as well. She got a device so she could basically hack by proxy. So whatever the hacker could hack, she could hack. And so then the game just became the adventures of lady with a sword. But don't you have to get different members of the squad in to the... No, and actually, this is my problem with um. With I mean, you do Rain. to get all the rewards. Sometimes you do, yeah. Sometimes there are specific rewards where you need to get those people in. But a lot of the time, and this was something that kind of, I played it for about ten hours. It's very slick. It's very nice. Uh, but there were two things in the game which really bothered me, and it kind of just stop it from being like really magical. Yeah, sure. The first thing is there's very little sense of menace for a game that's supposed to be like a kind of futuristic <laughs> yeah, cyberpunk. Thing. Yeah. Whenever you get caught by the police, you just go, ah, oh, fuck off. It's like swapping lights. <laughs> You're like, am I going to kill them or am I just going to walk away? <clears throat> and they do such an ineffective job of chasing you that you can just run around a corner and they go, it's under control. <laughs> it's like, it's not under control, mate. Especially because it has this awesome intro to the game where it shows you all this news footage of like, basically, over a period of years, corporations taking over the government almost. And it's like, this is really cool. And it gives you the sense of you're walking into this really corporate, oppressive world. But then, even at the start of the game, always what I loved about Syndicate Wars, even though it was fucking impossible to play because it was so hard, it just dicked on you so quickly mm. if if you did something wrong. Yeah. When the police all turned up, they killed you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what, you were the underdogs. And maybe later in the game, you'd be superhumans. Underdog but... is the word. Like, the game sets you up as an underdog. You are four people taking down a corporation. In practice, you're the only four talented people in the world. Yeah. And it's just a bit of a shame, the fact that it, you really, like, 
at first it made me tense, but it was like often it was like, oh, I've been seen again. And you just basically have to just right click and be like, yeah, just run. Come on, just get out. Well, just, just run. I'm, I, I reckon we should definitely talk about a game where you can get seen and it turns into a clusterfuck, which is Metal Gear Solid 5. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My God, the stealth in that game. I was expecting that game to be interesting. I was expecting it to be technically brilliant. I was expecting it to be weird. I was not expecting it to be like my favorite stealth game of the year. Like in terms of just infiltrating compounds, dudes seeing dudes panicking. I mean, we won't talk about it much because we'll probably talk about it more next week. Oh yeah, oh um, of course. But I have played like again like about an hour and a half. I love the. F- I should have known, but I love the fact the first hour is like just watching stuff, and that's fine. <laughs> like, I actually, I think that what it's reminded me of is although at one point it was like this is ridiculous. I won't spoil it, but there's a bit in the first like twenty minutes which I will always think of in my mind as being the Magikarp section. Uh, <laughs> which, when you play the game, you'll probably go, oh, all right, yeah, I get that. But um, it's fine. And I think the problem is, like, I always want to think about Metal Gear Solid. I always get wrapped up in thinking about the impossible-to-follow network's plot and the just general gratuitous nature of the game, both mm. in games, both in terms of violence and sexual content. But I always forget that actually, both of those things aren't really the core of the games. And when no, you're actually most of the time, it, it's it's actual it's tactical it's espionage just, action, yeah. and that's fucking brilliant. Yeah, honestly, like it's so weird that the people in games who do like stealth this well and this like technically amazing also just have the weirdest wrapper around it. Yeah, like, that MGS is always like at the front of like two different. Uh, pushing two different envelopes at once. It keeps it interesting, though. Actually, I mean, there's, I mean, the the. It reminded me why I do like playing um, Metal Gear games, and the fact that after like a kind of quite lengthy um, prologue section, it then ended with a set piece, which I won't mention at all. But the set piece was just like a. It was like, yeah, all right, fine. This is awesome. You've sold me like, again. You yeah. sold me. And I do like that it, it can do all of this kind of really detailed almost quite serious stealth planning tactical stuff and then just go left field as hell and be like oh this is, this is properly weird <laughs> the, your reward for I don't think you've got to it yet but the, your reward for like completing your first mission in it it's like did you enjoy being a soldier right <laughs> here's the a curveball that will take your head off like it, it, I, again, I'm, I mean I'm really it. looking forward to it I, I like installed it today I played a bit of it and I I really really liked it it reminded me because it's weird because in my head Metal Gear has now become this thing that I feel a bit like ambivalent about in my head and it reminded me playing this today that I bought a PlayStation 2 way back when for Metal Gear Solid 2 and Mm -hmm. I played it on launch day or not I think it was like around launch day on my birthday and I just played it and I loved it and I I was so in love with Metal Gear Solid 2 I completed it like so many times and it reminded me playing this it was like fuck I I remember why I like this yeah and it's a yeah I'm I'm curious to think because we've now gushed about it How, how did you feel Jim? How did you feel? Did you play them, Jasper? Yeah, yeah. yeah, played, yeah. I played. I uh, played about an hour and a half again. Same as us, yeah. Because um, uh, I was purely just recording videos and stuff about it. Um, and uh, it's just a job. Hate it's, games. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hate them. Yeah, yeah, it's not for me really. Um, uh, the first thing I saw was the, well, funnily enough, the opening, um, and uh, I just remember thinking that it was probably one of the best openings to any game I've ever seen. Like, yeah. It was, mm. You could, you Do you could mean like the opening, like sort of three, four minutes, or the opening prologue? The whole opening, like the whole thing, um, because I, I watched someone play through it, mm-hmm. and 
that I mean that first four minutes when you've got that mid-year version of Man Who Sold the World, which is incredible, <laughs> yeah. which is amazing. I, I'd I never honestly, heard that version have you before. Not heard it? No, I'd never heard that version before. Oh. I didn't even know it existed. Oh. I was like, this is amazing. So, fucking- I had a thing when I was because I, I was playing that with my girlfriend, and I asked, "Is this like the first time in a Sony IP we've just had a pop song? Like, is this the first like?" Because movies do this all the time, but do video games don't just buy, you know, licensed music. They don't it feature that. It does so. happen from time to time. I, I couldn't, mean, you know, I, I couldn't remember unless what Unless it it's something like GTA, but it's usually very incidental in GTA, obviously, because it's just on the radio. Yeah. But I'm to actually sure, sort of uh, fade up. I think the Wolfenstein game did it a bit. Maybe. Did it? Yeah. I don't remember, but I do love that. It did make me think. I was just sitting here being like, why don't why doesn't every video game start with a David Bowie song? Like mm-hmm. I can't think of a single video game which would not be incrementally improved. Which <laughs> would, like, play me Bowie. Hey! <laughs> video games work so hard at being like, you know, cool and having very cool sequences. What's cooler than you... David Bowie? What's cooler Bowie? than music? <laughs> but... nah, David Bowie. Well, okay, you know you've got me there. But yeah, no, it, it's amazing. It, it's 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 quite the so it, like and you you would you know, because because of the situation that the character is in at, at that point. I mean, we can probably say because you, it, it, the game starts with you in a hospital. He's in a hospital yeah, bed, yeah. and your 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 vision's all fucked, and you're, yeah. Um, but that's like I, I loved that version of the song instantly because I was like, even though if I'd heard it in any other context, I probably thought that's fucking terrible. That is the worst version of that song I've ever heard. <laughs> but in that context, it is the best, and it was like. I can imagine because he's meant to have been in a coma for like nine years or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, imagine you were in a coma, you you got knocked out and you, you weren't in the 80s and you wake up 10 years later and the 80s is happening. <laughs> that's exactly how confused you would be. You'd be like, I, I think that's a David Bowie song, but it sounds fucking terrible. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it was, it, there's so many reasons why that was the perfect thing to fade up on in that character situation at that point. It was amazing. God. Um, but there was, uh, but yeah, and, and it just felt like they it, it had all the money spent on it, but not in a sort of cynical way. It was like yeah. somebody who knows what they're doing has spent yeah, all the money on it. this is the thing. Know? I always, I've been kind of unimpressed by like, you know, uh, bleeding edge tech in, mm. in so many games, but there's something about the Metal Gear Solid series, and I guess maybe Kojima steering it, that the tech that happens in those games is always done in such a way that you notice individual things like mm. uh, it shows you quite early on Snake crawling but he doesn't have a shirt on and it's the first game where I've seen muscles in a back move like the bump mapping or maybe even the three dimensional texture like moving physically yeah. also when you run or you're on the horse they've modelled the sound of air rushing past your ears really? I can't but yeah I noticed that I was like hang on wait and then yeah as soon as they've figured out the speed at which when you're running you hear that and it's yeah. in the game like all these things they always do it and it always cheers me up like I remember in MGS2 this is so stupid, but you could shoot a fridge and then you could see the inside of the fridge. If you shot the ice cube tray, the ice cubes fell out yeah, yeah, and yeah. then the ice cubes would melt. Well, that's why I spent so much time in Metal Gear Solid. Because of the ice cubes. It was just, <laughs> just purely ice. You just <laughs> went it. about the kitchen sort of breaking utensils to see what was you happening. You could shoot the pans. They made a <laughs> gonging noise and would swing. It was just this... I mean, MGS2 got a lot of stick and I think it was brilliant. And I think one of the reasons it was brilliant is the fact that it felt like a big like sandpit, uh, but it was a linear sandpit. But every mm. element of the game had so much detail into it, yeah. and so many little things that you play through it again and again, trying to beat these time records. And because tr- it had this like obscure thing where you could upload your times online using a code, and you could see how good you were in the world. It was quite, it was quite cool at the time for a PlayStation Two thing. But basically, it meant that you do all this, but then you become quite intimately 
aware of how the game worked together and how the levels worked and what guards would react in what ways, but then people started to discover all these little really specific things that you could do, and there was so much, like, so much detail to the way you could manipulate the world and the way that certain guards would do weird things if you did things in certain ways. And now playing 5 and just seeing Metal Gear as it kind of always... You imagined it being at its best of having this massive open thing and just being able to use all of these tools in this fantastic sandpit. I think it's just blowing my mind. And I think at, the f- at first I got really a bit frustrated in the prologue of doing that kind of Call of Duty thing of having to wait for your, your man to come and open the door for you. Mm. But at the same time, it's like, but I don't mind because this is going to end. Whereas like, I think what I hate about it in games like Call of Duty is you go, this is the game. Like, <laughs> the whole game is wait for the man to open the door. Kojima's Whereas, you know, always teased that. Like, uh, you know, in 2, like even in 1, when you they didn't show you Snake's face. Like, or in 2, when you are you don't know if it's Snake on the bridge as he approaches the oil tanker. And they really, they drag that out and they tease it. And he teases you not because of gating. Not because, like, he's an idiot. But because he knows how much you want to be in control. How long you've been waiting for this. Like, it's been seven years before, like, since MGS4. Wow, seven years. Long. Yeah, people have been waiting. So, like, it, I know this because my girlfriend was immediately like, wait, he's been in a coma nine years? Check, check, because she thought that maybe he'd been in a coma for exactly as long as it had been between MGS games. But that's not the case. But, um, but yeah, no, it's like seven years, seven years of waiting, and he wants to, like, tease you. He wants to lead it, you know lead you to it gently he doesn't want it to just start main menu okay here's Snake here's everything we've been working on for seven years yeah no it's true and I think actually I, I didn't get on with 4 very well because it felt like to me 4 was d- unquestionable 4 made me not into an MGS fan anymore yeah I think it was the same with me I got halfway through I just got bored because it felt like it was just fan service in terms of plot well he was trying to wrap everything up right yeah it was like a barrage of characters and, and the actual stealth sections the actual like stealth bits felt a bit overcomplicated and boxy like it didn't feel I don't know and also the fact that I quickly realised in 4 that you could just whenever you got seen the best thing to do is just to sprint to the exit of the area and then it would play a little cutscene and like you were constantly being chased by an army of people who then would just forget when you're in a new area yeah. it really showed the limitations of having like zone based stuff um so yeah, I'm really excited to play around with this more. But yeah, well, I guess we'll talk about. Yeah, we just have, we're not going to talk about this for long. Yeah, and now we yeah. just. Well, did. that's the thing is, it's just exciting, and yeah. I've forgotten why it was exciting. I think this is the one. I think I've been I've been trying to proper get into Metal Gear for so long. Um, like I've I've got I've got every game, you know, and mm. I've um, I've really 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 tried to to get into starting with you know. I've, the first one's just fucking too old for me now. Like, yeah. um, some of the remakes I, I are quite good. I wasn't around at the time. Um, I got the HD collection, so you know, I tried. tried I was it. like, right, I'll jump in with two. <laughs> uh, that's, like, that's still the deep end, believe yeah, it or not. It's yeah, it's like oh, this is this is fucking. This I tell you, the plot in the first one is still probably the best. The, mm. the first game's plot is genuinely really cool. Yeah. Um, it's just no. It's the, 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 the first thing, there's so yeah. much I can. I, I, I tried to you know, put myself in, into the mind of somebody who was playing this in the nineties and must have been blown away. Um, and then, like the third one was, I, I got a little bit more into. But like, this is the one. Like you know, like, in, instantly I was into this, and I was like, this is. Or did Burns describe it as the best Far Cry game that has ever been made and will ever be made? Um, <laughs> and the sort of you know the gate the. The, the meat and potatoes of the gameplay is very much that. Um, and I just Wikipedia'd everything until I figure, right, I think I know just what's going on. <laughs> oh, you don't even... Yeah, you don't <laughs> need to know everything. It's like, 
It's wow. kind of like I didn't really know what was going on when I was playing Metal Gear Solid Two when mm. it first came out, but it didn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like I need to put the yards in though. Yeah, yeah that's sure. Fair. That's I mean, fair. you're not going to have a worse experience. Yeah, I'm just really excited to explore the world though. I think one of my biggest problems with these big open world games go around tick the boxes is that it feels like often the world is just a means to have like lots of things. It's a means for space for long term game where there's very few games of having these worlds where the worlds themselves like justify you know your exploration your time in them I think Red Dead Redemption is probably one of the only games that's done that for me of, of you know I, I didn't care about the fact that I was going to be able to get a new horse in this area it was just discovering a new canyon and being like whoa this is amazing yeah, um, when you have that horrible set piece, and you go down uh, on the, you ride the raft to yeah. Mexico, yeah, and then you get off the raft, and there's a game that again uses music exceptionally well. Yeah. You arrive in Mexico, and you're like, "Oh, I've made it," and then you realise you're in fucking Mexico, and it's a weird alien land, and you don't speak the language, and it's the landscapes are this like, the colour grading turns into this dusky grey, yeah, and you're made very nervous. It's almost like arriving on the moon, yeah, except it's Mexico. So cool, so cool. So yeah, we're all like, haven't really played it, but we we're all really excited about playing it, which is cool. <laughs> We've all just, yeah, that dibbled, dibbled our toes into Finally, it. to dip back really briefly to Satellite Rain, and I don't know if there's Whoa. just... I don't, it really bothers me, because it just seems like such a ridiculous loophole. But, um, you know, you can take over people. You can basically, like, indoctrinate people yeah. and have them. Yeah. Like, it just ruins so many of the puzzles, because you start to have these puzzles where it's like, well, to get through this security door... You need to deactivate these three power things, which are on different sides of the base. So you have to switch off this power source, then switch off this power source. Then sw- and so you basically think, oh, you have to do this synchronized thing where three agents all switch it off, and then one person walks through the door. Classic. But if you just like make one of the guards on your team by indoctrinating him, guards can walk through all security doors. So you basically just have a guy, and then you just get him to walk through the door, and then get the other people to follow him through. And it just like... There's so much of the puzzle of that game. That does sound like a puzzle that you're describing rather than... No, but it works every time. (laughs) It's not like... It has all these different things that require different solutions and every time you just go, nope, it's not the solution. The solution is walk in with one of their men next to me. And it doesn't appear to be. Maybe in the second area and third area it starts to do things so you can't do that, but... It's just, it, it's ruined the game for me because it means that, like, every time I have a, a puzzle, I never look at it and go, how do I solve this? I just go, I solve it in exactly the same way that I solve other things. Also, you can just get the men, you take over a man, you get and shoot a generator, and then everyone runs in to go, who the fuck's been shooting guns? And then you just, as long as you stop shooting the generator before they arrive, you basically can get all of the men in a base <laughs> to run to one place because they heard gunshots. Yeah. And then when they turn up, they're just hang around there for a few minutes they're like the worst organised army in the world <laughs> this huge army base yeah. like again where yeah, is everyone are, there was a noise over there to their desks and their iPhones gone you're like oh, yeah. <laughs> it is actually that you are stealing some small shit it's, I think it's just one of those annoying things when you're effectively playing a puzzle game if there are like loopholes that just break the puzzles you can't help but use them it's like as yeah. soon as you know they're there so hopefully they're going to like realise that and maybe patch it and go Oh, people are breaking our game. I mean, it's uh, yeah, it does seem like a game that you're trying to break, but clearly not to it's this fine, degree. Providing you can't break it in the same way again and again. Yeah, and there again you go. Again. There you go. You so. know what? And speaking of which, in um, I just saw a tweet earlier today that in a tips article, God knows where I clicked on this, but it's um, one of the things in MGS Five is guards will adapt based on what you do. So if you are using the Trank rifle for the whole game, then they'll start wearing helmets and that kind of thing. Wow. Uh, yeah. Supposedly. So d- different play styles will cause guards to adapt in different ways across the course of the game. So if you start using loads of guns, then they'll just be nasty. More heavily armed, and I guess, yeah. That's fucked. 
fucking cool. Yeah, we're gonna go home. We're gonna play it. Let's if we if we do some questions, then after yeah, that, I'll I be think, ready to go home. I mean, I was gonna talk a little bit about Big Pharma, but I won't bother. I'm gonna be making a video. That video will be up this Thursday. It should be good fun. So well, I won't talk about it now. Big I'll fun. Then big fun. Ba ba da ba. That's what the they should have called window. that game because curing warts and. Oh man, I, I made a really complicated female contraceptive, and it, I was losing money on it. It was it was really bad. <laughs> That's actually I will say briefly. The one thing I do like about Big Pharma, the point where it clicked for me was the fact that you just think it gives you all the means to like make perfect drugs and be like, yeah, you know, you've got this amazing migraine pill, but it does you know make people feel ill. And you think, well, that's bad. So you, you spend all this money making machines to remove that. So you're like, hey, I've made something that perfectly treats migraines and there are no bad side effects. And it's like, yeah, but you're not making any money now. In fact, you're losing lots of money because you can't sell it for more. So it's just this thing of you start to realize where you just make drugs and be like, yeah, it's good like, enough. Yeah, it'll cure your cancer, but you're going to feel really ill. The game. I make loads of money, so I don't care. And it's like, when I started playing the game, I was like, oh, I was hoping it'd be more like satire. And it's like, it doesn't need to be satire. It is just a terrifying representation of the actual world. That's why, well, he made democracy as well, right? That was... Ah, uh, it may have been. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I thought so. But so, yeah. It's making me an evil person, He didn't basically. make the concept of democracy. The oh, video, wait, what? <laughs> the video game of uh, about... Uh, That'd be a claim to fame, wouldn't it? Inventing democracy. Um. So, yes. Yes, it would. <laughs> yes, it would. Let's just say yes. So, let's go for this. Shall I fill the podcast with filler while Matt selects? Uh, Mr. Backy Raptor asks, uh, what do you think devs can do to mitigate the problems of early access or consumer involvement in the development process? What are the problems with early access? Well, I don't know. I mean, I guess... Early access is awesome. It's produced like some of my favourite games of the last two years. I I guess that's the thing is the question is not actually... We're going to change your question. (laughs) Sorry. um, To a different one. Because I think that's the problem is if... If you're going into it and you're worried that early access is going to be a problem for your game and you're worried that consumer involvement in the development process is going to affect your game in a bad way, then you shouldn't do early access. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's true that the games that I've seen that I like who do a, do early access spend a lot of time and energy communicating with their fans, tweaking and changing and tweaking, like um, obviously Nuclear Throne, Darkest Dungeon, uh, those people talking a lot about it. But yeah, no, I mean, the only... I mean, we saw the thing that we talked about really briefly last time, the fact that Darkest Dungeon has had a bit of backlash in some of the changes. I guess the only important thing is you need to make sure that mechanically your Darkest game Darkest Dungeon is... has also made scads of money. Oh, I know, yeah. So, like, I, mean, I don't even know if it's a real it. problem for them. It's like it's more like a speed bump on, on, a, on a truck. Yeah, that's true. Actually, that could be really bad because if you go fast, you fly into the air. Do a cool jump, though. You could do an awesome jump. There you go. Ooh. So it's, it's fine. Darkest Dungeon is officially the Excite Truck of Early Access games. Um, Luke Summerhays asks, do you ever feel bad about killing the Monster Hunter monsters? And can you imagine a less lethal game that would suit them? You know, I don't. We get this a lot, people being like, oh, do you not think it's like, does it raise interesting thoughts about hunting? What, and it's Monster like, Hunter? Yeah. It's the opposite of it's raising opposite. interesting thoughts about hunting, yeah. It's like, rather than making me think, oh, hunting's bad, it makes me think, you know, hunting would be okay in the real world if it was like Monster Hunter. <laughs> if these twats who went out to Africa with guns were at serious, constant risk of being torn apart by dinosaurs. If someone was taking on, like, the last rhino, I was having to do it doing sideways rolls 
mostly just through sideways rolls over and over again. Yeah, and then dying because they didn't make it. Yeah, fair enough. Or because they were hungry. It's the thing is, it's not really a proper allegory for real hunting because real hunting is mostly just people with massive scopes and rifles not yeah. being at risk at all. And sitting in an armoured fucking car. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know. Whereas, like, in Monster Hunter, like, one wrong move and you're dead. So it's more like mm. a, you know, obviously it's sad at the end of it. You have to chop I mean, them up for the they pits. think people are running up to lines with machetes and <laughs> shit? Like, I'm no, gonna... there's the shooting it from a quarter of a mile away. I wouldn't support that, but I'd have more time for that than, than yeah, the latter. I mean, this is what I'm thinking, like, because w- all three of us have had the instinct of response to it. It's, it's bullshit that they have high-powered rifles and they, you know, drive up to the animal. Why does that make it worse? Like, if they, if, if a man went and killed the last rhino was his bare hands, is that any morally more like, there was more chance of him dying, but he still didn't, and he still killed the defenseless Well, no, but, you, but it, it, it'd still be bad that he killed the last rhino, but you could at least admire the technique. Sure, I guess. Um, and also, you know, I think mean, there's nothing to admire about somebody sitting, picking off a defenseless animal. For yeah. The other, the other important we can thing, agree with that. The other important thing is that the last rhino is, is probably, <clears throat> like, just chilling out. Like just trying to like be, be sad, probably a bit melancholic in a desert or something. Yeah. Whereas sad. actually, he's under he's under twenty four hour armed guard. I, that, that, I'm not making this up because the people would go for the ivory. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Especially the last ivory on the planet. It's worth like unfundable amounts of money. So it yeah. needs to be guarded twenty four hours. So, but the thing is, in Monster Hunter, it's often you're killing these fucking dragons that are literally coming and like burning villages and stuff. And obviously, it's usually because of something sad that's happening in the eco- ecosystem. Mm. But it's still. If the last rhino was just going around cities destroying buildings all the time, then it'd be like, well, yeah, can somebody go out and... I mean, it's sad, but we have to deal with it. You know what it. else? Monster Hunter has these, like, super morose uh, death animations where you kill something after 45 minutes, and then it, it screams and it curls up and it dies, but the instant that anima- animation starts... Pack it up! You also get, like, tubers and horns being like, yay! So it doesn't really leave much room to feel sad, especially mm-hmm. not because, yeah, as Matt says, you only have 25 seconds to carve up the dude. I don't know, I mean, it's still bad, but I guess it's more of a fight, isn't it? That's the thing, it's like, it's like rather than being... I think it's that classic human thing of it's, at least it was a fair fight, of being like, all right, well, if you want to go and kill this rhino, then we're going to strap loads of swords to it, and we're going to make it fire guns, Yeah. and now you can mm. have a go, because at least it's fair, you know? Yeah. No one likes... I think it just comes down to this idea of bullying, really, isn't it? It's like... Yeah, it comes back... Well, you know, like... It, Humans can handle everything except unfairness, and it's definitely unfair to uh, to shoot. An it's animal. pointless and cruel. Whereas Monster Hunter is is a not real. B awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that's that's. I think. Point. I think. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, a complex issue, but I think we've nailed it. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Monster Hunter is sort of the only version of hunting that is cool, really, isn't it? So. And why wouldn't you do that instead of like dicking around with metal guns and so hurting things? Thirty grand going to Africa with a sniper rifle. You get one a fucking dentist, and you can't get it up. You can get one <laughs> for twenty quid. Yeah, and you can spend the rest of the money on Viagra. Yeah, <laughs> twenty-eight grand's worth or twenty-nine grand's worth. Of That's enough Viagra. to kill anyone. Even a, even a rhino oh shit what if he buys it and then uses it on a rhino and then force feeding a rhino Viagra they now turn into, into fanfic right let's yeah, move exactly. on um, I have but, one five question there I'm going to treat a five question a Babylon, Babylon five. 5 yeah it's basically asking if, if Mass Effect would have been improved or ruined if it were allowed to have the Babylon 5 license it clearly wanted it would be that's, better that's bollocks that is bollocks that, that is suggesting that any science fiction property that attempts to do political intrigue and action is trying to be Babylon 5 it's just trying to be Mass Effect. It did have a lot of Babylon 5 like themes in it. But... It did, but it also had a lot of Battlestar themes yeah. and like Babylon 5 itself had lots of Lord of the Rings themes and 
uh, everything is is derivative of everything. I think it's a bit unfair on Mass Effect to go. You just wanted to be Babylon Five. It's true. Um, I, I do love Mass Effect. Actually, I'm really looking forward to another Mass Effect game. Like, and I just hope that Bioware oh, don't I'm make looking. it boring as fuck. <laughs> if they make it like Inquisition, that would be a tragedy. I'm worried about that because Inquisition was on my list of things to maybe go and have a poke at, but everyone seems to have really fallen out of love with it mm. after a bit of time's passed. I really enjoyed it. But I got to a certain point with it where I was just like, I'm really bored now. Why? They, like, what did it do? The Ubisoft did it. it had a, yeah, the Ubisoft did it. <laughs> Ubisoft did it. Ubisoft did it. Ubisoft did it. Oh, no, yeah. the Ubisoft did it. I don't <laughs> It's annoying. I wish they wouldn't do it with every game. Because the problem is I like those sorts of games, but you can only play a couple of them a year. Well, like, Every game you want to play is another fucking one of them. I bounced off Pillars of Vitality for the same reason. Like I played that for a bit, and then it went... I pretty much just unlocked the keep, which is what I was racing to get. And it went, here's a keep, and you can do... You can go into the basement, you can go next door to the neighbourhood region, you can do this quest and this, and then you can also do this quest. And I went, none of this is interesting. Quite literally, not a single plot thread you put in front of me has actually had like... I actually really liked a lot of it. I wanted to play more of it. Well, why didn't you then? Well, I have a time. I have a time. I still like to. I mean, you just don't uh, gel with that type of writing. I think it's uh, is it is that the, that those days you just don't like him. Oh right. god, let's not. That's not. No, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's just it's that thing of like I quite like it. I think Jim quite likes it as well. But most people do. Yeah. You're just weird. Whatever. Hit me a quick. I quite like it, but I felt like there was too much. There's just far yeah. too much. My review of it sits without a score because I do not have the time to finish it. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to stick a score on it without finish, like without at least finishing it. I actually it. feel like that damaged that game a bit. It mm. felt like the buzz for it died quite quickly and people stopped talking about it because mm. I feel that that thing of... Like, just, this is the thing. Every, everyone I talk... You know, like yourself, were talking about how much they liked it and nobody... Like, everybody put it down and didn't come back to it. And I think that validates me. I think it was overwhelmingly big, and I think that back in the day when those sorts of games first happened, um, that was fine because you wanted something you could play for forever. Mm. Um, because those games only came out like once in a blue moon, really good ones anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, Whereas now, yeah, we're sport for choice. Now we're sport for choice, and it, it felt like it was good, but then people didn't really feel comfortable with sharing a, a like kind of proper like you should definitely get this because people hadn't played enough of it. But there was so much to play. Whereas um, the other one what was it called Divinity Original Sin Two did really well because the story in that was a bit bobbins, but. It was mechanically really fun from the off, and the way that the combat worked was really satisfying. So you could play that for five hours and go, yeah, you got to check this out. It's fun because mm. you didn't have to be like, you didn't feel like you had to qualify with that. With and it's got a really intriguing story. You there know, was, there was also uh, a lot. It was also a lot. There was a lot less of it, basically. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say with my mouth. <laughs> um, and uh, it didn't feel like it didn't feel like that. I always keep talking about the rabbit hole, but it didn't feel like that rabbit hole thing. But like per- Pillars of Eternity is just quests upon quests upon quests. You complete one and then it starts you three. You get three and, more, yeah. And it's just, it feels like like whatever you do, you're never done. Um, but at least with, with Divinity, I had that to a little extent. Like As in, you know, you unlock a new town that's got a couple of side quests. But you did feel like you were on pretty much the same trajectory throughout the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think if you're going to do a game like that, then you need to have, like, you, I think you need to have focus. a main quest that's got, yeah, got a lot of focus to it. It was hard to work out what the main quest was mm. in, uh, yeah, well, my no, early it was, yeah, that. because like, nothing was given precedence over anything else. No, you're like, you're just do, I... like oh, what, do, do I hang about with these druid folk or do I go to the other city or 
What do you want me to do? There's not game? a central... Mi- like, the game presents you with a mystery at first of, what's this guy doing? And the answer universally is, I don't care. I would like to be given a reason to care, but I don't yeah, have yeah. one. I don't know. I'll tell you what, I, I, I think it's one of those weird things where maybe as a successful game, it it failed a little bit in terms of, like, you know, being something which lots of people play. But I think as a Kickstarter, it was perfect because... It did give a lot of people exactly what they asked for. It was exactly that. But I, yeah, I would have been back there when the Kickstarter was funded going, you don't want this. This is from the history. But I, and... I think you're wrong because I think there are people out there who did want that. I think maybe people... Yeah, sure, I agree with that. But I don't think it's... I don't think it's all my like uh, colleagues and like critics who are like, oh, it's great. It's not for me, but it's great. It's like it's not for. It's for very few people. Yeah, no, and that's the thing is, I like, you know, they got they got a number of people who backed it, and I reckon I'd be interested to know like if there was a massive chunk of those people who were just thrilled, who maybe people about ten years older than us who just really got into Baldur's Gate, fallen out of people who. If you're the sort of person who loved those games but fell out of gaming and then just came back just for that game, <laughs> have an amazing time with it. Like, like Snake coming out of the coma. I just think it's this thing of being like, if you've got all this choice and you've followed the hobby along with us, it's this difficult thing of, I still love that stuff, but I genuinely find it hard to make the time for it. But mm-hmm. it's nice, because sometimes, you know, you have people who sell the dream of what games used to be like. Like, look, it's like the opposite of Goddess, of being like, we're going to make you a game like Populous, and then taking the money and then being like, only joking, it's iOS bullshit. Oh, like, man, Eurogamer did a really great article recently about um, catching up with the guy who uh, was who won what's the game uh, Curiosity oh, yeah. the cube game mm-hmm. where he was prom- a god of goddess who promised to be a god and goddess but like yeah this super bleak interview where they went up and talked to him and he's like and describe him and then talking with, with him saying like I think they've kind of forgotten about me I do I remember reading that and really loving the way that it was, it was like, Wes that wrote that yeah, I think was it? I really loved that it started off with a really really unflattering description of the man <laughs> Fucking! <laughs> it was like it was something. I don't remember the, can't remember the exact words, but it was something on the lines of, "Yeah, he turns up and he's in a very tight raincoat and frankly doesn't look very. He uh, doesn't look like a god at all. <laughs> yeah. But like, I, I like that because it set the tone of yeah, also because yeah. it like the guy later came and like he didn't seem like yeah. a bad guy once you no, read totally, the piece. Totally. But like, I love it because it sets the tone of like this like for like he, he he's the winner. Mm-hmm. And then it, it describes him in this like way. He's just an everyday guy. Yeah, yeah. He's got a tatty raincoat. He doesn't seem like a winner. He's in and a tatty whole raincoat, and he cuts a pathetic figure. He over. looks like a prick. Yeah. I can take it. Yeah, but no, it's it's it's. I really like that bit of writing. Yeah. And people should no, give it a Google. It was good. It was very good. Okay, we've got a question saying from Mark Hadley saying, "What are some good games to play with a significant other? So either one player or co-op." Uh, I'm going to throw in um, a a board game recommendation here because it's the best board game ever to play in a couple ever, ever. Uh, Give give this a Google. Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. It's a game where you solve mysteries. Like, you know, couples will often watch murder mysteries together. It's that, Mm -hmm. but you solve a murder mystery. You, You race Sherlock to solve a thing. You argue about how a crime could be done and they're like 10 incredible puzzles. And just every time I go to a convention, every time, Someone comes up to me and says, oh, I got this. I play this with uh, my wife and my girlfriend. And thank you, because it's like the most astonishingly awesome thing. This is about 30 quid, and I think you'll really enjoy it. So give that a shot. Failing that, Helldivers, and just just scream at each other. Oh, no, that ruined lives, man. People in our comments on Cool Ghosts have been saying... um, Yeah, they've been saying, I'm going to play it with my partner. It's like, you're going to... No one's come back. No No one's said... They're dead. Um, So... I was, I was just going to suggest Until Dawn. Um, yeah, you were saying um, that. That's what you were saying earlier. That was cracking. It was fucking brilliant. 
What's that? What's that? It's brilliant and it has no right to be. It uh, is so right, good. I'm staring us out of the question zone. We're done. Tell us about Until Dawn. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not a, uh, oh, a big horror game player. Mm, that neither am I. Neither am I. Oh, interesting. Um, I really... What Until Dawn is, is the Quantic Dream game that would happen if David Cage fucking reined it in a bit. Yeah? And actually just made a good game instead of making a sort of good game that's... Very bollocks. <laughs> like, that's the best description of David Cage I've ever heard. It's a good game, but it's very bollocks. <laughs> oh, that makes some kind of sense because I've I've loved I've loved all of David Cage's games apart from the f- one with David Bowie and I never played that. One. Oh, the bad one. Yeah, but oh, I but remember that. everything yeah. from Fahrenheit onwards, even the last one he did with Alan Page. Like, I, I, oh wait, that was wait. What were you talking about then? Because I thought I was talking about the David Bowie. The David one Bowie one was what? like I was on the Dreamcast. It was yeah, called, it was on Fahrenheit. Well. It was no, no, no. It was called. Uh, I'm gonna Google it. Uh, oh, oh, I played crap. the demo. I played the demo. Yeah. No, 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 no. Nomad, Nomad, Nomad Soul. Nomad Soul. Nomad Soul was it? I think it was Nomad Soul. I thought you guys were Is using Omicron or something. Like Omicron that. Yeah. colon no lad soul. Nomad it was Soul. It's not those games like they're always bad, aren't they? Whenever just... you have games that have like really weird like two part names. Omicron the Nomad Soul. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Nine yeah. out of ten from on Steam there. David Bowie's face. Eight point five. People at gym. home, if you've not uh, <laughs> heard of Omicron the Nomad Soul, go to YouTube and look up the trailer, and you'll have uh, you'll have quite a time. And the really souls is. here are grey and withered. You can't get much power from them, says David Bowie in, the, in that screenshot. In that screenshot, people should know. Also, this isn't like we're not describing someone as David Bowie. It really is David Bowie working with David Cage in one of the ugliest early 3D games you've oh, ever seen. Oh, it was awful! And I remember being so excited about it, and then I played the demo, and it was just, I, it was just unbelievable. Is that a strip bad. club? It's such bombs. Yeah, it has absolutely yeah. rubbish. Okay, so ignoring this one, you like David yeah, Cage's work. I like David Cage's work, um, and you know, the, the classic sort of, you know, the opinion about David Cage is his, great, his games are great until the last third, when they just become Explodes. fucking stupid. Um, and uh, but but this this is bear in mind I haven't actually got to the last third of it. But this feels like <laughs> is it a da- it's not a David Cage game? No, it's not. Yeah. But it just it feels very much like one. But but like as I say, just one that 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 is a bit more sensible and but and how it does things. And um, so the setup is it's B movie horror, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, so it's a teenage slasher flick. They're all in a house in the woods, and it's all very like. The, the game is going out of its way to say we know these are tropes and this is the point um, it's called Until Dawn Until Dawn yeah. and what's it on? Uh, PS4 oh I'm totally getting this PS4 exclusive it is really it's got uh, so it's a collection of scenes essentially it's 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 episodic to a point you know um, you get a recap when you go back into it but it's all like one thing yes yeah yeah um, but it, there's something brilliant about it like all the sort of eight teenagers that are in this big house in the woods um, have like relationship stats with each other. Um, oh, and, I love that stuff. Which, I don't know why. It's it's you really love quantifying great. human feelings. Yeah, yeah, I do. But no, but it's backed up by like some amazing digital acting. Like re- really, sort of technically, it's incredibly good um, in terms of the facial animation because it can really sell that stuff. Like. If you're being told by the game that this person hates that person, you can actually tell when they talk to each other. Oh, like, awesome. you know, and um, and I guess because it's one environment, they can really afford to double down on the facial exactly, animation yeah, and stuff. Yeah. And people kept keep getting themselves into situations, <laughs> even though you try and 
steer them away from it where like you know to them go off on their own to turn on a generator. So who are you in this like game? That. Are you some kind of like you are, manager? No, you're you you are depending on what point of the game you are. You it flips between each character. Ah, okay. okay. So um, it's great actually because uh, you know you're playing one character and then the the scene switches and you're playing this other character. And then the one, the person you were just playing might come into the scene and do something you'd never have done. So there's this frustration where you're just like, "Why I did, would you do why that?" You can, I don't want you to be in control of yourself because I know you're a dick now. But you know, wow. things that they do kind of feed off things that you've told them to do. And there's like, oh, it's oh, just really? really good. It's really so. Really it, so good. It, this is an episodic style thing, like, or is it a full game? It's a full game. It's like a full thing. It's a, like a ten-hour game. Um, but it's it's presented episodically, so there's like each chapter. Oh, okay. Is okay. Like, it's like presented as, as if it's a did, TV show. I, I can't remember the last time we did a Dark Souls and someone described something. And I'm like, shit, what? How did I miss this? Yeah. Can I get it? Well, like, again, it's if it's another if it is another Sony PS4 exclusive. I'm noticing a pattern here. Whenever there are exclusive games on the PS4, they just end up being really good, and I've never heard of them. It's there's something yeah, yeah. something really wrong. With Sony, them. yeah, the Sony world. needs to step up their marketing. I think because I Helldivers almost yeah, Helldivers almost completely Helldivers destiny is as well. amazing. As it's well. brilliant. It's top down destiny. It's fucking. There's so much good stuff. Why going would you? On. Why would you not push that? I'm yeah. gonna check this out. Yeah. I'm, I'm oh, excited. Dawn is so good. Like I, I'm probably uh, words aren't working for me right now, but it, it, <laughs> it is. It is like a blend of heavy rain and The Sims and Scream. Oh man, I would so play that. Is it, is it linear or is it kind of a bit like fruity? Well, That's not it, the word, but you know what I mean? <laughs> like, um, It's linear uh, in the sense that there are certain things that definitely happen or there are certain, you know, the characters are in certain places at certain times, but within that, your interactions with people, the decisions you make, um, it, it, there's a lot of branching points, basically. Interesting. So you can, I think you can go through the game without any of your people dying. Depend, what? Depending on what sort of situations you make. I, th- I think that's the case. So it's one long Mass Effect suicide mission with horny teens. <laughs> yeah, essentially, yeah. Wow. And they are all trying to fuck each other as well. Like, they're, they're, there's... They're, How have I not heard of constant this? Constant sexual this is, tension. This is so through. up my alley. It's, it's really, really good. And it... it We've now built it up too much. I'm going to go home and be like, oh, no, no, no. this is only, like, <laughs> decent. This is only a seven. Um, but, uh, no, I was so I'll surprised. I'll be cause... if it is. Like, just, just, I, I will be really angry if it is only a seven, because, <laughs> Jesus. But, no, we um, we did the first couple of chapters of it for a video today, uh, for two cowards, actually. And uh, we decided within, while recording that video, it was like, we're going to do this until we finish it, because we <laughs> both really really enjoyed it mm. and neither of us like games like that but no. it's so good and it's so clever the way it does things and if you look at the, the, the development history of it as well like it started off as a PlayStation Move exclusive on the PS3 it was moved huh. over to PS4 then they dropped the Move requirement and it's been through so many sort of turbulent changes yeah. as a product I thought like knowing that history I thought it's, it's going to be terrible but it's actually they've really well that's the thing is it can go one of two ways either they just end up having looked at it for so long that they've got no idea if it's good or not and it often isn't or it ends up having so many iterations and and tweaks that actually they've got something because they've had the luxury to spend such a long time designing something that Mm. actually when it happens it's just so strong Mm -hmm. like and I often think that's why you occasionally have like cool surprises at the start of generations around this time or like a bit earlier because there's these things that have basically been on the back burner for a long time and they go well, let's just get it out. And then often it means you get a mixture of stuff which is just rubbish because 
it, there was a reason it never got out the door in the first place. Yes, but other yeah, times, yeah. like, just have weird turns of events, companies get bought out, companies sold, and yeah. things just get shuffled around and put on back burners indefinitely. On, mm. on this exact topic, people should definitely go back a couple of episodes, was it? And listen to the uh, Daft Souls about PlayStation Home if they haven't already. Yeah. Keza published a great article on that in Kentucky UK and the history of how that game came about and how it ultimately ended up being secretly successful was is, like one of my favourite things we've ever done on this cast. Yeah, no, it's a fantastic story. It's yeah. really cool. I've not read her article on it yet. Um, but I really interested Just in the that podcast. It's, it's quite <laughs> but I, I um, funnily enough, I remember attending a, a, a talk in Dundee by a guy called Kirk something. But he was he was a developer, not of home, but one of the one of the little companies that was making stuff in home. Mm. Yeah, and he was like, "By the way, we're making fuckloads of money, and nobody knows." Yeah, like yeah. I remember him saying this about uh, must have been. Th- six seven years ago and i'm sitting there like but how this must be a lie you must be lying to me must be laundering money (laughs) and then you know i I remember just thinking you're talking shite mate i thought he's just begging up his fucking shitty business model or whatever and then like years later akaza comes out with this article is like oh no by the way this thing made a lot of fucking money for a lot of people and nobody knows i'm like holy shit it was true like it was it was like it was a bit of a red pill moment to be honest (laughs) wow fuck I should have made stuff in home <laughs> that was that was the bubble man yeah yeah buy Just Jim's it. cat toy <laughs> come to Jim's home things dot <laughs> com uh, in another universe you're rolling around in a big jacuzzi full of pound yeah, coins it's not too late second life is just taking off man you can get <laughs> you can make your little... Jim's sex dungeons <laughs> custom made for you well, you know well, custom sex it's been an incredibly exciting episode of Dark Souls uh, thank you very much for joining us Jim have you got anything particular you'd like people to watch at the moment anything you've done recently you'd like people to check out other than the uh, excellent Miller Report well, thank which you continues to be brilliant <laughs> thank you very much um, just the Miller Report just keep watching the Miller Report because that is my baby and it's also Simon's baby but it's basically my baby yeah. how, how are people going to find this incredibly amazing aggressive man interviewing poor developers <laughs> if they go to youtube.com forward slash video gamer tv uh, the Miller Report and the uh, ancillary stuff that feeds off from Miller Report because uh, we've got we got like a, a regular list feature that is also a massive piss take and is basically in the Miller Report universe. This is oh god, that's it's just <laughs> no, it's fine. But yeah, everything, uh, most of the stuff we do, unless we're sitting down talking about a game and we sound a bit serious, everything on the channel now not is like real. in this fictional kind of And you know, I really universe. like that, because it <laughs> like it's, it's a weird thing, because it's like, obviously, you know, I used to be a video gamer, yeah, like, yeah, a while ago, yeah. and uh, it was kind of a difficult thing, and the fact that I, I shaped so much of what the channel was about, based on things that I liked, yeah, and yeah. I just sort of went off on my own, like a mad nomad, no, and because the channel at that point was sort of nothing, nobody cared, Yeah, were like, yeah. just do what you want with it. Uh, but after I left, it was weird because it was this thing of when you've made something so much about like your personality and who you are, your influences. Yeah. But I love now that this invented universe is clearly just so much rooted in the fact that both you and Simon really like wrestling. Yeah, yeah. And well, it's, it's just... partly it's like him really liking wrestling and me really liking Babylon 5 and stuff like that. <laughs> so it's like those those universes collide a bit, right? Because, yeah. you know, wrestling's all... It, it, wrestling and science fiction fans are basically the same people um, so uh, but yeah it's it, I just love that it's extending universe of stupid characters that, yeah. that are so borderline possibly real that 
idiots think they are real. A lot of people think it. Like, people, people are still angry with Miller for being rude to developers. I know. And stuff, it's, and it's mad. Like, you don't think that we, we got them to sign off on this? We went to their fucking office. Like, how do you think we got in? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but if this yeah. is all sounding mad, then the Miller Report is basically yeah, Simon Miller, who used to be, uh, well, he used to work with a video gamer, big dude. God, he's a big man. Just going around being an angry dickhead. Um, and but in a in a very amusing way, yeah. just being endlessly obsessed with Gears of yeah. War and nothing else, and but it's very fun. I love uh, basically we, we love making it, and we also love that like lo- everyone who's everyone who sees it seems to be just really get behind it, and that's been really nice to see because it's like, it's not often um, that you know you go to you go to an industry event or whatever, people from other publications are coming over and saying, by the way, that thing you do is really great. Yeah. Because you, you're supposed to be kind of like, fucking fuck you, GameSpot, you know, or whatever. But, you know, it, it's it's kind of, people really like it. And yeah. it's it's weird because it's, it's just about a bald, bald man shouting at people. <laughs> well, that's the dream, uh, really. You know, if you can, can monetise a bald man shouting at people... That's the internet done, isn't it? Well, exactly. That's that's Harry Hill, I guess, right? So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love Harry Hill. Um, but yeah, well, thank you very much. But yeah, do go watch it. Yeah, do do. And also, obviously, you can check out our stuff, uh, me and Quinn's. If you missed last week's episode, we are now cool ghosts with other people coming in, trying to wrestle down some other people to do some bits and bobs for us on the fly. Uh, yeah, this week, as I say, we'll have I'll have a video about Big Pharma. And last week we had. Uh, Eula surfers. Eula surfers. Uh, or Eula surfing. I'm not decided yet. Yeah, that's going to be a nice roundup of some of the weirdest stuff topping the charts in Steam. That Just should be a lot of fun to go and watch. Like lightning fast little analyses of weird stuff. And obviously on the fly at the moment, I'm finishing up pretty soon probably my little play of the swindle, which is a fun thing to watch if you want to watch me. Just shouting and swearing, really. I try not to shout too much, but... God, it's very frustrating. <laughs> and uh, also, if you just want some kind of passive aggressive, passive aggressive couple stuff, then Helldivers, Helldivers is just basically me and you <laughs> getting increasingly stressed with each other because you're running me over with a vehicle or it's I'm very, dropping bombs on your head. It's heads. very amusing, like, especially in that game when like when somebody just drops grenades and stuff and everyone dies. <laughs> we started off doing like comedy, comedy, passive aggressive, yeah. and now it's just no, real. It's just it's, Why did you do that? What was that? Um, just, uh, just Matt, just wondering why, why did you, why, why did, you did you get in the turret? Because that's mm, yeah, it's funny. We just recorded one today, and when you just go to any point in the timeline, it's just like, what was? <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's just like an hour of of stress and failure. <laughs> so if that sounds like something you'd like, then you're a strange person. But you can look at that. Can I just ask before we finish up? Are you gonna? Are you planning to do anything else with the the mad, frankly fucking best in the business VHS? stuff that you do because like when when you make something look like you're really good at making something genuinely look like it was made 30 years ago like I've I've tried to do it as well as you do and it doesn't like it's alright it doesn't you know the main trick is the audio the main trick oh yeah yeah, absolutely yeah I mean the, the audio sells it but it's like there was an app that came out recently for the iPhone where it's designed to make your iPhone camera work like a 90s camcorder. <laughs> totally, you've been framed with the static, the warping, the chromatic aberration, and the little date in the corner and everything. And I was like, this is a Matt Lee's skit generator. <laughs> this is what it is. Um, I'm sure I will. I mean, you know, I bought those filters and some stuff, so I'm going to keep using them. <laughs> I don't really know. I mean, at the moment, like, yeah, the thing we're doing at the moment with Cool Ghosts is we're having a, a variety of sort of like light Let's Play stuff going on every week. And then we've got 
a kind of uh, a chunky video every week, either from me or Quinn's or a combination. But I think once we find our feet with it, it's, you know, at the moment I'm playing some stuff and I'm making some games about, make some videos about stuff we're playing, but I, I know what I'm like and I go through waves. I'll have waves where I'm just like making videos about, oh, this game is really interesting because of this, but then I'll just have a month where I just go off the rocker and just make strange things. <laughs> is there anything I can do to like encourage that, to push you more towards the VHS filter? I don't know. I think now we've got like uh, the, the ability to collaborate a bit better. I'm hoping that it's just going to be allow me the time to actually like just write more jokes and things to blend the two a bit more uh-huh. so you'll have me talking about games like with Big Pharma the video which is going up this week um, it's going to have like a combination of yeah I'm going to tell you about the game but also it's going to have some stupid skits and some some fun stuff in it. I'm excited but if you want to see more then you can go to coolghost.net and we've already got a really nice community there of people talking about about the Dove Souls podcast and also other things so I definitely recommend checking out and if you really love Dove Souls and you want to support the podcast you can do so by going to patreon.com forward slash cool ghosts but yeah it's been an amazing episode and I'm going to stop now because I want to play Metal Gear Solid 5 and I want to download until dawn <laughs> let's go home and play some play fucking some video, video games. games thank you very much for joining us bye bye, bye.